0: Good afternoon, everyone. For about 10 years, from 1955 through 1964, there were more than 4 million members of Masonic lodges in the United States. These were the highest member numbers recorded historically for this country. That 10-year period, more than 4 million, and uh, Masonic lodges have existed in the United States since before the country was founded as a independent nation. In recent years, however, the numbers have dwindled to a little over a million members of Masonic lodges in the United States, according to official figures uh, published on a Masonic website. Some of the most influential leaders of the American Revolution are known to have been Freemasons, including among others, Edmund Burke, John Hancock, Robert Livingston, Paul Revere, Benjamin Franklin, and George Washington. Some others, including James Madison and Thomas Jefferson, may have been Freemasons or had ties to Freemasonry, although that's not certain. Of the 45 presidents of the United States, 14, or approximately a third, have been known to be Freemasons. How should members of the Church of God view Freemasonry? Is it only an innocent charitable fraternal foundation that does Good works, as some might conceive of it. Or do the good works and seemingly noble goals of Freemasonry serve as a cloak to mask a corrupt philosophy that leads its adherents into spiritual darkness and deception? Today we want to cover in the sermon, or I want to cover an assessment of Freemasonry from the standpoint of Scripture and how we as a part of the church should view it or how people that are interested in following the Christianity of the Bible might see the doctrines and practices of Freemasonry Freemasonry often denies that it is a religion, but its nature and goals belie the claim. It is, in fact, a religion in and of itself which ostensibly embraces many other religions. In other words, it is, it is a syncretistic religion, as we will see, which blends together many religious uh, streams of thought and practice. The American Co-Masonry website, co-masonry.org, states that the common goal of all Masonic orders is, quote, the reunion of man with his divine source. The reunion of man with his divine source. Clearly, that is a religious purpose. Like other Masonic organizations, American Co-Masonry purports that it, quote, through its philosophic orientation and symbolic rituals, continues the tradition of the old mystery schools, providing an opportunity for spiritual growth and service to humanity." Quote. Now notice what it says here. It is, through its philosophic orientation and symbolic rituals, continues the tradition of the old mystery schools. One of the most influential Masons of the 19th century, Albert Pike, who wrote what is virtually a a manual for Freemasonry, (coughs) called uh, Morals and Dogma of Freemasonry, he stated in that publication, chapter 2, quote, Masonry is identical with the ancient mysteries, end quote. Masonry is identical with the ancient mysteries. In other words, the ancient mystery religions. Now, they say their goal is to unify man with his divine source. However, embracing the idolatry of ancient mystery religions will not lead to the reunion of man with his divine source. In fact, it is guaranteed to separate men or women from their divine source. It was their embrace of ancient mystery religions that led Israel and Judah to forsake God time and time again, and for him eventually to forsake them, at least for a time. In Deuteronomy 31, Deuteronomy 31, beginning with verse 16, we read, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise up and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land. Where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me, and break my covenant which I have made with them. Now notice what God said would happen. He said that that the uh, people of Israel would play the harlot, as he said. In other words, be unfaithful in their uh, worship toward God with the gods of the foreigners of the land. In other words, with foreign gods, Gentile gods. and he said continuing in verse 17 then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day and i will forsake them god would forsake them because of their idolatry because of their unfaithfulness in their uh, in their uh, consorting with pagan gods, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they shall say in that day, have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us, and I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, in that they have turned to other gods." So, according to scripture, getting involved in pagan mystery religion does not unify you with your divine source. It separates you from the creator God who made you and is the source of all blessings. And God characterizes the veneration of foreign gods as spiritual harlotry. Like the ancient Gnostics, the popular Christianity which and the popular Christianity which is carried on many of their ideas, Freemasons readily blend Christian concepts with pagan philosophy, symbols, and customs. And the result is always as as always is confusion and deception. However, one does not have to profess Christianity to be a Mason or any particular religion, masons accept into their cult individuals of most any religion that espouses belief in a supreme being. So there are Muslim masons and probably Buddhist masons and masons of many other religious persuasions. Rather than simply upholding God's Ten Commandments, the Masons have their own Ten Commandments, which largely consist of moralistic platitudes. But God does not give us the authority to substitute our own commandments for His commandments. That's what Satan tricked Adam and Eve into doing, which resulted in disaster for them. God rather demands that we learn to practice obeying His commandments if we want to continue in His blessings. We read in Deuteronomy 11, in verse beginning with verse 26. Deuteronomy 11, verse 26. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. Notice God set before them the choice, either a blessing or a curse. The blessing for obedience to the commandments of God and a curse if they did not obey and turned aside to go after other gods. Here's how Jack Elliott in his book What Church Members Should Know About Masonry sums up Masonic doctrine. Quote, Masonic doctrine is very pliable because it's so loosely, it is so loosely knit together and embodies such a tremendous scope of Christian as well as pagan ideas. The teachings of the Holy Bible and the ancient pagan mysteries are accepted alike and constitute their main sources of information. From these they select the principles which most appeal to their desires." Masons not only have borrowed much of their philosophy from paganism, but its symbols as well. As Jack Elliot wrote further, quote, "...to prove that Masonic symbols and philosophies are borrowed from the ancient pagans is not difficult the Masons prove it for us, end quote. And then he quotes the following from the book Morals and Dogma of Freemasonry by, by Albert Pike. Quote, The sun and moon represent the two grand principles of all generations, the active and passive, the male and the female. The sun represents the actual light he pours upon the moon, his fecundating rays both shed their light upon their offspring, the blazing star or Horus. The three form the great equilateral triangle in the center of which is the omnific letter of the Kabbalah by which creation is said to have been effected. So what you have here is a triad featuring the sun and the moon and the false god Horus and uh, this is supposed to be some great revelation. This is just a small sampling of the pagan symbolism borrowed wholesale by masonry. Many of the symbols used in Freemasonry are taken directly from pagan mystery religions, and the association with pagan religion is more or less freely admitted in their literature. Many of the symbols have esoteric or hidden meaning, if not all of them. Albert Pike, again, a leading Mason, admitted that members in the lower orders are deliberately lied to about the meaning of the Masonic symbols. He wrote again in Morals and Dogma of Freemasonry, quote, Masonry conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages or the elect and uses false explanations and misinterpretations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be misled. Now this is talking about their own members in the lower, in the lower uh, echelons of Freemasonry. They conceal the, so the, the secret uh, significance that they attach to these symbols, and they use false explanations and misinterpretations of the symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be misled. He goes on to say to conceal the truth which it calls light from them, and to draw them away from it. Notice that they use lies to conceal what they claim is the truth or light and to draw their own members away from the hidden meaning of these symbols. Now, we can be sure, as we will see later, that whatever that hidden meaning is, it has nothing to do with truth or light. From the website, secretsofmasons.com, an article entitled Masonic Symbolism and Its Meaning, we have this statement as follows. Quote, Freemasonry is widely accepted as the largest and most influential occult body existing throughout the world today and has inherited its imagery known as esoteric or occult symbolism directly from the fountainhead of the pagan ancient mysteries. The same source goes on to say all occult symbolism is in fact dualistic in meaning or interpretation in that it has an exoteric or outward meaning known to the masses and an esoteric or hidden meaning known only to the elect few. So there are not only dual meanings, actually, in Freemasonry, in the, in the symbols used by Freemasonry, but there often may be multiple meanings, many of which are interpretations that are not revealed except to those at the very top echelons of Masonic organizations. One thing that I do need to say though is contrary to what this article says, Freemasonry is not the largest or nor is it the most influential occult body in existence today by any stretch of the imagination. However, it is a significant occult organization. And it does have, or has at least in the past, had considerable influence. I think its influence may not be quite what it once was, but it is a significant. Critics of Freemasonry have pointed out that some of the symbols used in masonry not only promote the exaltation of false gods, but imply Satan worship directly. Masonic ritual ex- explicitly exalts false gods and goddesses like Osiris and and, I, uh, and Isis, among many others. The sun, moon, and stars are common in Masonic imagery as reflected in the earlier quotation from Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma of Freemasonry, let's uh, read it again. He said the sun and moon represent the two grand principles of all generations, the active and passive, the male and the female. The sun represents the actual light. He pours upon the moon, his fecundating rays, both shed their light upon their offspring. The blazing star, or Horus, the, free, the three form the great, great equilateral triangle in the center of which is the omnific letter of the Kabbalah by which creation is said to have been effected, End quote. Now, directing worship toward the various false gods in the sun, moon, and stars is nothing new, or, nor is it particularly novel. Israel in the wilderness also directed their worship towards false gods and the host of heaven. As we read in Exodus 32, beginning with verse 1, Exodus 32 and verse 1, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, let us make gods that shall go before us, and as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf, then said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Notice they called this idol by the name of Yahweh. which was, of course, blasphemy and and uh, a misuse of God's name. Then they clearly rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. So God was so angry with this blasphemous project that the Israelites had uh, engaged in, that he was ready to destroy the people. We read in Acts 7 and verse 38, Acts 7 and verse 38, by the way, he did not do it. Moses pleaded for mercy and God did uh, exercise restraint and mercy and did not destroy the nation. Even though they continued in this type of behavior, more or less on a continual basis throughout most of their history, In Acts 7, verse 38, we read, This is he, speaking of Moses, who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai, or the messengers, who was actually Jesus Christ. And with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, in other words, the law, the commandments, "...whom our fathers would not obey but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the Prophets." Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rimphan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So Israel, were, the people of Israel were worshiping these false idols, often associated with various... Stars, the sun and the moon and so forth. So they were worshiping idols in the host of heaven, even in the wilderness. By embracing the false worship of Gentile origin, Masons wittingly or unwittingly are unwittingly are worshiping demons. As we read in first Corinthians ten verse nineteen. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 19. Paul said, What am I saying then that an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which, which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. In other words, you cannot mix the worship of God with the worship of idols, which is, in effect, demon worship. And that's precisely what the Masonic religion is. The attempt to find the true God through the medium of pagan gods and symbols and human reasoning... For philosophy is utterly futile and is something God hates. Eventually God is going to send plagues on the earth as punishment to rebuke mankind for such wickedness. As we read in Revelation chapter nine, verse twenty. Revelation nine and verse twenty, this is in the context of God sending plagues on the earth to punish mankind and to bring mankind to repentance. And it says in verse 20 of Revelation 9, quote, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts, end quote. Like all false religions, masonry relies for its concept of God, not on the revelation of Holy Scripture, but on human reasoning about God's nature. American co-masonry states in its Declaration of Principles that it leaves, quote, human reason to perfect liberty, or at perfect liberty, I should say, human reason at perfect liberty to differ in regard to his attributes, that is, God's attributes. So, in other words, human reason is what guides the individual Masonic Lodge members' thinking with regard to God's attributes. Notice what we read in Isaiah 8, verse 20, however. In Isaiah 8, verse 20, it says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Notice that the source of wisdom and information about God is the testimony of Scripture, the Word of God. And it says, If they do not speak according to this word, there is no light in them. Masons claim to have the light, the truth, and yet they're looking to human reasoning and pagan religion for information about God to guide them in their uh, supposed uh, effort to be unified with the divine source But there's no light in them. There's darkness and spiritual blindness. In John 14, verse 21, Jesus said, He he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him or reveal myself to him. God is revealed as we keep His Word and His commandments, then God reveals Himself to us. If you want to know God, if you want to be unified or have unity and communion with your divine source, you do it through, through obedience to God's Word. That's what the Bible teaches. By embracing idolatry and false mystery religion, Masonry does not keep God's commandments, but grossly violates them. As we read in Deuteronomy 12, Deuteronomy 12, verse 1 These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. In other words, they were not to use these pagan places of worship and make churches out of them or synagogues or places for the worship of the true God. They were to destroy the false places of worship. And it says, verse 3, they were to destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire and cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name from that place you shall not worship the lord your god with such things that were not to use pagan imagery pagan idols pagan places of worship to worship god according to the command of god He went on to say in verse 28 of Deuteronomy 12, God said, Obey, observe and obey all these words which I command you that it may go well with you and your children forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land. Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, "How did these nations serve their, how did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abomination to the Lord which he hates they have done to their gods for they burn even their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you be careful to observe it you shall not add to it nor take away from it. So They were not to look into the traditions and practices of the heathen nations that were practicing the pagan mystery religions and follow those precepts, those ideas, that that philosophy, that mode of worship. They were to listen to God follow his commandments and worship God in that manner, according to the pure word of God. Now, we mentioned that Freemasonry claims to offer light, but if you actually examine many of their teachings and legends associated with Freemasonry, they're palpably false. For example, in a short essay entitled A Visit to King Solomon's Temple by Tejinder Singh Rawal, a Freemason member, in his description of the temple, this is supposed to be Solomon's Temple, the orientation of the temple is such that the entrance is in the west. But the actual entrance to the temple of built by Solomon was... On the East. As we say in Ezekiel, well, let's first let's look at First Kings chapter seven. First Kings seven and verse thirty nine. <clears throat> This is where it is describing how the uh, various uh, uh, items were were uh, placed in relation to the temple that had been built. And it says he put five carts on the right side of the house and five on the left side of the house and he set the sea on the right side of the house toward the southeast. Now the sea that it's talking about was a very large vessel of, made of brass, and it was filled with water for the, for the priests to wash themselves. And it was placed near the entrance to the, uh, to the uh, temple near where the altar was, which was in front of the temple, so this this uh, sea, as it's called, or this very large, huge vessel made of brass and filled with water. it says was on the right side of the house, toward the southeast. So if it was toward the southeast side of the house, then it would have been on the east end and toward the, the southern uh, side of the temple. We also read in Ezekiel 8, which is not necessarily Solomon's temple, but it is the temple that is, will be built in the future after the same pattern, uh, at least uh, for the most part. And in Ezekiel 8, <clears throat> in verse 16, Now, excuse me. This is Solomon's Temple. This is where uh, this is where God was uh, pointing out some of the abominations that were going on in Jerusalem at the time of Ezekiel. And uh, in verse sixteen, <clears throat> he said, uh, "He brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. This is the temple in Jerusalem." And there at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were worshiping the sun toward the east. So here were men standing at the door of the temple, the entranceway to the temple and their backs were toward the temple, and they were facing the east. So obviously the door of the temple was on the east side of the temple. Not the west side, as in this supposed visit to the Temple of Solomon by this Masonic author. It is also said in this, this uh Essay on the Temple of Solomon that there were five architectural orders represented in the temple's construction namely, Tuscan, Doric, Ionic, Corinthian, and composite. But these are distinctive styles of Greek and Roman classical architecture that, for the most part, were not developed until long after the construction of Solomon's temple. Now, some basic elements of these styles were borrowed from more ancient civilizations, but it's highly improbable that any of these orders were incorporated into the architecture of Solomon's temple. The design for the temple of Solomon was given to God, or given to David by God himself. And we read in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 10, First Chronicles twenty eight verse ten. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you, speaking to David, to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave his son Solomon. Excuse me. He was speaking, David was speaking to Solomon here. The Lord has chosen you or Solomon to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. So David gave to Solomon the plans for the temple. Now, in verse 19, we read this. It says, All this said David the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. So David's understanding of how the temple was to be built was inspired directly by God. And somehow this information was conveyed in writing. It did not come from some Greek architect or any other human architect. It was God himself who was the architect for this temple. Freemasonry also claims that God is a Mason and that Masons built the Tower of Babel which is kind of interesting, that Masons built the Tower of Babel, and that when God confused mankind's language, he told Masons to communicate by secret signs. It's also claimed that Adam, Noah, and Abraham were Masons. Now, there's no evidence, no proof that any of these things are true. It's just what they claim. In other words, it's legend, it's, it's fable, it is a lie. It's also claimed that Masons are God's favorites, created to be above other men. This is from the book The Freemasons by Jasper Ridley. But here's what the Bible says in Genesis 11 and verse 1. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they built there, or dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there. Confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Now, notice that God was not pleased with what was being done here. He was not pleased that this city was being built. He was not pleased that this tower was being built because he had instructed the people to go to their separate habitations. They did not want to follow God's instructions. And... So, if the Masons built the Tower of Babel, they were doing something in direct rebellion against God. Now, what about the claim that Masons are God's favorites? Scripture tells us that God is no respecter of persons, that He is not partial, that He does not look with favor upon any individual simply because he is a member of some organization or club or even a corporate church organization of men. God doesn't base his judgment of you as an individual on what club or even church you belong to. And he especially does not choose as favorites those who openly embrace idolatrous worship, as the Masons do, and make make no uh, uh, effort to hide the fact that they embrace idolatrous worship. We read in First Peter chapter one, First Peter one and verse fifteen, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who, without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Notice what it was that they were delivered from. It was the aimless Conduct received by tradition from their fathers. In other words, it was heathen religion and lawlessness. But, going on, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and hope are in God and in obedience to God, not in what organization you belong to. Since you have purified yourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit, In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Notice they had purified their souls through obedience to the truth, not through joining some organization that worships or exalts paganism, but our souls are purified through repentance and obeying the truth and having faith in, in the blood of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah sixty six and verse one <clears throat> Isaiah sixty six and verse one we read Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all these those things my hand is made, and all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one I will look on him who is poor or humble before God and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. In other words, God shows respect to those who are humble before Him, who are ready to listen to Him and obey His word, and who take His word seriously. These claims that I've mentioned are just a few examples of many ridiculous claims and fictional tales associated with Freemasonry, which are anything but light. There's much more that could be discussed, but suffice it to say that Freemasonry does not and cannot deliver what it promises. It is but another false system which diverts mankind from the true answers to his dilemmas the answers being Jesus Christ and His word and laws and the kingdom of God. The adoption of pagan symbols and doctrines by Freemasonry is a direct violation of the command of God's word, which says in 1 John 5, verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols and many similar commands. God's command to us is to come out from among them and be separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and i will receive you from second corinthians 6 and verse 17.